episode of the Agile Weekly Podcast. I'm Drew Lesmeer. I'm Roy Vandewater. And I'm Clayton Lingelzigich. And today we want to talk about class systems within organizations. Uh, Do you Clayton, mean like Java classes? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And jars. And class hierarchies, right. <laughs> oh, In- Inheritance okay. and... Okay, so what what have you guys seen? You know, how do class systems within organizations affect so, the work? So you mean like a class of developers, like second class citizens? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like first class citizens, second class citizens. Oh, you're, I'm better than you. Oh, they're way better than me. I think the most obvious one is usually the division between developers and QA. or de- Yeah, and developers and senior developers. Yeah, that's another good one too. And developers and architects. Yeah, so I guess the hierarchy is usually like architect... And then senior developer, and then regular developer, and then I guess maybe junior developer if they have that. And then like the QA people. And then, reg- and then manual regression. Manual regression people. <laughs> right. Yeah, you're paid to click a mouse and smash on a keyboard kind of thing. Right. So have you seen it where the, the people who are maybe higher up look down upon the people who yes, that's are how, supposedly lower? That's, yeah, how, that's how being higher up works. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think that's like just inherent in the definition. Right. Like when you get promoted to be, you know, senior developer or whatever, like and you have that job title, then that somehow me- means that you have more authority, you are better, you have more experience. And or, a higher paycheck. Yeah, more, you know, more pay, more benefits, whatever. And it's probably even an expectation that you treat the people that are below you with at least a certain amount of disrespect in order to, um, in order to make your position like more substantial and in order to fit in with other people that are at the same level as you. That probably depends, I think on the manager. Like I don't know that anyone would explicitly say that, but I could certainly see there's management styles that are very hierarchical like that. That would really reinforce that kind of thing to Mm -hmm. say like, Hey, I could see a manager saying to someone like, Hey man, you know, you're a senior developer now. You can't do X, Y, Z or whatever. You can't be hanging out with those lowly developer types. <laughs> if they see you talking to those QA people, nobody's going to take you seriously in this business. Yeah. I mean, I could see something like that. So I, I, I really like the word empower, you know, people should be empowered to be, to do great things. And if you have this kind of system set up, it seems like it thwarts that empowering of the people. Um, what are some what are some ways that you can kind of go against that this class system? Well, I, like one thing I think is interesting is that if you look at some of the people that are talking about agile stuff these days, like they're really they don't like the word empower. So I think it like maybe this is like third second level thinking kind of stuff, like super nuanced. But the, I think the gist of it is if you say that you're going to empower people, it's like you're uh, acknowledging that you work in this hierarchical structure, and so then people have to be powered to do, empowered to do something, kind of like it's just okay. that weird. You know what I mean? Like that yeah, weird okay. kind of thing. I can see that. Yeah. I, I think the re- I think one way that you can kind of get away from some of the hierarchical stuff is like self organized uh, teams that are like cross functional, like some of that Scrum would prescribe. I think it's easiest to combat from that the higher up you are. So if you are at say like a senior <laughs> level developer or an architect, and you have your own corner office and perhaps a secretary or whatever it is that you got because you got your fancy pants promotion. And if you want to make a difference on the team and you value the idea of everybody being equals and being able to contribute equally into a project, then the best thing you can do is to give that up and say like, hey, I'm just like you guys. I'm going to give these things up. I'm going to make my office available as a breakout room. My secretary, if I have one, can go work for somebody else or something like that, right? Where you show that you really mean it with your own actions. But you still make twice as much as they do. 
Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> that's, that's a, Are you going to be like Robin Hood and donate right. your paycheck to the team? Yeah, I don't know. That, that's a really good question. I think if I, I think in an ideal world, yes, you would. And I guess I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with people in an organization um, necessarily being compensated differently. Um, yeah, there's a whole bunch of factors that go into that. Mm-hmm. But you know, I, I think one thing that I see a lot is people will get a senior developer title uh, because they've worked at the same place for a really long time. That's all you need to be a senior. Right. right? You only have to turn 65 and then you get the discount. (laughs) Well, I think it's funny, though, because there's people where I could say, I could see that someone might say, hey, I've worked at um, three different companies in my career in three different, totally different industries and three different size companies or whatever. And so I have a bunch of experience using a whole bunch of different things and different teams and all this other stuff. But if I worked for, let's say that was over a 15-year period. Sure. But if I worked for the same company for 15 years, like doing the same job every single day, like am I really a senior developer because I've just been there a long time? Mm -hmm. Like that seems kind of silly. But I think that's how most people are considered senior developers, right? So I guess in that context, senior implies loyalty more than it implies experience. Yeah, I would think that's probably a fair way to put that. So, I mean, there's still something to be said about rewarding that type of loyalty. Sure. I think one thing that always gets missed, though, like in what I think reinforces the like class system stuff is you might have someone on the team that uh, excels as a developer. And so then they get this job as a senior developer and then they get treated differently in the sense of, um, you know, you used to have to work on this maybe like crappy part of the system that no one really likes and used to just have to do the boring work. But now that you're a senior developer and you know all this stuff, we're going to let you go prototype uh, this new thing that's in a new cool technology and you could do new, do new cool stuff. And like, I never see like very rarely see where the expectation of a senior developer is that they make the I mean, people that are below them better. Sure. Right. Like I think everyone thinks like, Oh, I'm a total rock star, you know, whatever Java Ninja. I'm so badass. but then they can't go, they can't make the people that are the junior developers better. So, so just to clarify, I think, I speak for all of us in that um, we kind of feel that the idea of having different classes of developers within a team is a bad idea. And that having everybody act as an entire team where there are certain people on the team that may have some weaknesses and some people that have a certain strengths and that the team values trying to bring out the strengths in everybody and try to help each other um, protect our weaknesses or however you want to like better our weaknesses or whatever and that that's an ideal situation yeah i think i think that's like i mean if you think about it from like a tribal aspect if i'm a member of the tribe and like i'm the one who's trying new ways like uh, new fishing techniques and i'm the one who gives you some of my food because your crops died and i do all those things i'm going to gain your influence and you're going to view me as, you know, a leader or whatever versus the chief just coming down and saying, like, you know, he's the senior tribesman, right? Like, that that's a totally different thing. But I feel like teams can be the same way. You get these, like, cross-functional teams that where everyone can kind of do everything and there's no real distinction on, like, a job title perspective. Like, some people are going to rise to the top because they do certain things that – the team buys into and the people on the team will follow them. Right. So I guess one of the, one of the huge problems that I have with this type of like class system where there's, there's multiple levels is that it oftentimes is self-sustaining in that the people that are at the bottom class are treated like crap and given shitty assignments and they are given crappy hardware and that, that type of thing said, it's almost like it's really hard to, to overcome the handicaps forced down on you by the upper class developers. Right. It's like, I want to, it's like, it's like, we're going to have, Riots with the ninety nine percent complaining about the one percent CTO's office, <laughs> right? 
Yeah, no, I think that's totally fair. Um, it's like a culture thing, right? If the organizational culture is that there are different levels of people and if it just so happens, which it's probably majority of the time, that the, the different levels of people are are picked improperly or poorly and, and then everything that happens to the people on the kind of bottom of the totem pole reinforces the fact that they're on the bottom of the totem pole and every day you remind them that they're on the bottom of the totem pole like right. that's where they're just gonna that's where they're gonna be right they're never gonna you're not never giving them a pathway or any means to move up they're just gonna leave or, or even if the expectation is if you work here long enough that's how you move up like i think even that's that's a right a bad idea or even even the idea of a meritocracy where if you do really well, you move up, I think, is, is, is kind of a bad idea because it should be the entire team is moving themselves up. Because if it's a meritocracy where, where it's my successes cause me to go up, that incentivizes me to sabotage everybody else on my level to make myself look better. Yeah, and I think if you don't buy into like team-based work uh, and you don't value – you don't buy into the value that you get out of team-based work, then it becomes pretty obvious – like I think people are very smart about cheating the system and like you know knowing who they have to influence or be influenced by or sleep with. You know, yeah, in extreme cases, I suppose, you know, to to move up in the organization. But I still think it's a, you know all goes back to more of just a culture thing. I think if you take the traditional software development organization where you've got developers that are treated like, I mean, to some degree they're treated badly, but they're treated better than the QA people because they just get to lob, you know, usually they lob their code over the wall and the QA people have to test it. You know, is it, is it the shit flows downhill syndrome a little bit too, where it's like, like I got crapped on by the senior developers. So I'm going to take it out on the QA people. Yeah. I think there's some thing like that too. And I always go back, like I always remember the, the talk that um, uncle Bob Martin gives about, you know, testing. And he talks about how it's like basically immoral to have people do manual testing like the idea that someone would have a big binder and they go to the some page in the application and they like look at the binder and it says step one enter x y z colon bracket space and you know then click this button then click this button you do fourteen steps and hit mm-hmm. enter verify that the screen says this like that's just you know like how how do how does any organization think that's okay right and it's totally demeaning to the people that that work in those positions too especially if they're more qualified. Right, I and mean, I don't think you ever get, the people never get a pathway to become better. Right, I, I've actually heard of organizations where they're like, "Oh, well, we can't have those people do that. They're just testers. Like, there's no way they could ever be developers." Right. Yeah. Exactly. And I think, right, like, there's a bunch of testers who probably think, "I don't really want to learn a like I don't want, I'm not interested in being a programmer. Like, I don't want to learn engineering stuff. Like, that's not what I'm interested in." But there's still a bunch of things that like. If you take more of like a test automation approach, like I think there's a lot of things that you could have a testing background or a testing mindset and still contribute just as equally to like the overall value of sure. what's being built. You know, like those types of people could be invaluable in a planning meeting and and would be a very good complement to a um, to a regular developer in a pairing environment. And you would start to see the lines blur between the two because I think as with anything the QA people that don't like to learn coding is probably because it's uncomfortable and new to them. Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, like to give an example, I was giving a uh, presentation at this QA conference, this local QA conference recently, and I was describing um, some scenario and, and one of the people in the room had talked about how they could have avoided this big problem that they had if they had done better planning. And I asked them if they, 
if they knew that they foresaw that before the event and they basically said, yeah, I saw that this was going to be a problem. And I asked them like, well, why didn't you say something? And the, the idea that the tester or the QA person would like interject in planning and like contradict the developer or tell them that they were wrong was like so unheard of that she looked at me like I was from outer space. <laughs> like, that's just crazy. How could you even suggest can't, that? I can't do that. Those are developers. Right. And so I want to be one of those one day. You know, like if you have that scenario in your organization, like, you know, look at all the stuff you're going to miss out on yeah. and all the resentment you create and all these other horrible things. Yeah. I, I'm thinking like a, a, Sometimes you get these, uh, you know, cowboy coders, or it's easy if you're a good developer to have the mentality like, the work I do is so special, like nobody can do it. Like I am actually super gifted, super talented, that I've been able to figure all this stuff out, and these people can't learn it, or if they try, they'll screw it up. I think that's a very dangerous attitude to have, um, and it helps reinforce the the classes that you could have. The truth is. You know, anybody can do this stuff. You know, anybody who wants to has, an, has a desire. They can do that. And if the team adopts that mentality, like, I like that movie Ratatouille, anyone can cook, right? It's the same idea. You know, like, anyone can be a developer or anyone could be, you know, whatever the job is. And so um, that needs to be, that mentality should be reinforced so that we're in the attitude of helping each other out, get better, as opposed to isolating ourselves, saying we're the best. Right. But... In that in that vein of anybody can do it, like I totally agree in that that anybody can be a developer, regard as long as their heart is in it. Right. I think we have worked with people where we're like we see the potential, but they aren't capable of reaching it because they don't want to work for it. And likewise, we have seen people that don't know anything, but we're able to jump in it no problem because they have the desire to learn. Absolutely. Which, which is why I think it's so important to hire for that quality over any technical experience. Yeah, I think that gets into like learning organizations, you know. But rather than being like, oh, we're going to strive to be agile or whatever that means, right. you know, strive to be a learning organization where you have that uh, kind of like you don't have the fixed mindset of some people are good at this and some people can never be good at this. So you brought up the concept of cowboy coders or like rock stars. And I think that's a I, I totally agree that that's a dangerous thing. And and we like there's times when organizations like revere that type of behavior and like that's highly encouraged. Like you even see that amongst the major uh, like the major organizations like Microsoft and Google, where it's like they're totally rock star, like they love the idea of having rock star developers, right? I think that's like I think that's a I want to say tortoise in the hair kind of thing. But a lot of times, like when the rock star people or the cowboy coders go off, especially when they do like the hero coding thing at night, right? They like will deliver deliver some like super sexy looking thing that's so awesome, and it, it like it in that moment it seems like the best thing ever, but no one ever has the no one really takes the time to take a step back and look at all the things that happened coming after that and then no one ever keeps that in their mind going forward to think about what's the impact of this thing over time Mm -hmm. you know so three months later when there's some bug that comes in and the team can't fix it because the superhero coder is pulling pulled another all-nighter and hasn't come in you know it's not going to come in till 11 30 and there's no one there to fix it like no one ever connects those two dots and says like hey gee we wouldn't have this problem if the team had worked on it. And maybe the team wouldn't have done, they wouldn't have been so sexy, but at least we wouldn't be in this bind. Like everyone just gets mad. Like, oh, you stupid, you know, you stupid non-rock stars. Why can't you fix this thing? Right. right. And they're like, look at this rock star. Like he was working until three o'clock in the morning. That's why he's not here until yeah, Why aren't you guys working until three o'clock in the morning? It's like very management, you know, 1.5 or whatever, 1.0. 1.23. Like, it's like whoever seems like they're working the hardest. 
Like we were talking about Seinfeld earlier. It's like George Costanza leaves his, you know, locks gets locked out of his car, and his boss thinks that he's there before everyone, and he doesn't leave until after everyone. Like if you can just trick your, you know, kind of right. crappy development manager into thinking that you really work super hard, then and, and that working hard is related to how many hours you put in. Yeah, and and working hard is somehow like working hard outside the team is you know makes you great. I think you can totally play the hierarchy system. You know, you can totally game that system. Yeah. Well, good. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, to join in on the conversation, please visit uh, Agile or Facebook.com slash Agile Weekly. Thank you. Thanks. Bye-bye. Is there something you'd like to hear in a future episode? Head over to integramtech.com slash podcast where you can suggest a topic or a guest. Looking for an easy way to stay up to date with the latest news, techniques, and events in the Agile community? Sign up today at agileweekly.com. It's the best Agile content delivered weekly for free. The Agile Weekly podcast is brought to you by Integrum Technologies and recorded at Gangplank Studios in Chandler, Arizona. For old episodes, check out integramtech.com or subscribe on iTunes. Need help with your Agile transition? Have a question and need to phone a friend? Try calling the Agile Hotline. It's free. Call 866-244-8656.